Hey everybody, what's going on? Welcome back to the 21 Seconds Podcast. I'm your host, Colt White, and this episode is brought to you by Dunn Ranch, located in Winniewood, Oklahoma. Standing Jess Lips, One Valiant Hero, Highest Fire, Dashmaster Jess, and the young, well-bred sire, PYC Fun and Fancy. This is one of my favorite stallion lineups in the country. Make sure you book a breeding to one of them in 2021. They are definitely worth the stud fee. If breeding to a stud is not what you're looking for, then don't worry. Dunn Ranch also folds out mares. They can take care of your embryo transfers and semen transfers, and they're one of the best in the country when it comes to sale prep. They can pretty much help you with anything at Dunn Ranch, and for more info, go find them on Facebook and Instagram, and you can also go to their website, dunranch.com, or give them a call at 580-279-6666. That's 580-279-6666. All right, guys, let's get right into it here. Of course, we're going to start the episode with some stakes recap. On Tuesday, the 26th, the Turf Paradise Maiden Stakes was contested, a $33,000 purse at 300 yards. And the winner, number four, Kelly's First Moon, paying $10.80 for the win, $4.60 to place, $4.20 to show. Then was number eight, Jess Packin' Heat, paying $5.20 on the place, $4.40 to show. Third was the seven, Bar Fightin', paying $8.40 on the show. The winner, Kelly's First Moon, is by First Moon Flash, out of the Corona Cartel, Mayor Corona Kelly. Fold in New Mexico by the breeder, Mike Abraham, the winning owner, NJ Farms. Winning trainer, Eric Valenzuela, the winning jockey, Adrian Ramos, picking up a $16,000 winner share. In the maiden stakes, covered the 300 yards in 15.646 seconds, a 92 speed index. Very speedy race for Kelly's first moon. The second, Jess Pack and Heat is by Jess Good Candy out of the Corona for me, Mare back in the pack. Ended up a good second in that one with Bar Fighting third. Attack it like a man, yelling there with Bar Fighting. Then El Bullseye was fourth. My Capone was fifth. Saint Icon was next. Then Pretty Boy AR, Dash and Thief, One Sexy Hero V, and Brim Effort rounded out the field in the Turf Paradise Maiden Stakes. But it was a three-quarter length victory from Kelly's First Moon in that one. And let's look at what Kelly's First Moon has done in the past. That, of course, was her first win being in the Maiden Stakes. Before that, was second in the trials for that one. Fifth in the New Mexico Classic trials as well. Ended up third in the juvenile for the mountaintop out of Rio Dosa last summer. Has always been up there near the board. I guess six starts, lit the board four times, not too bad. 23,000 in earnings for Kelly's first moon. Congratulations to the winning connections of the Turf Paradise Maiden Stakes winner. In other news, Prairie Meadows is opening up here in a couple of months. They announced their 84-day mixed meet last week. It'll be thoroughbred only April 30th through June 14th. The final day will be September the 25th, and they will run Friday through Monday with the post time being 6 p.m. Central on Friday and Saturday. Sunday and Monday, it will be 4 o'clock in the afternoon. The barns are set to open April 2nd. Training should start a couple of days later, weather permitting. 
Grants Pass also announced they will be opening May 10th for a 19-day race meet through July the 13th. All post times will be at 5.15 Pacific for the Grants Pass meet. And coming up soon, the Remington Training Races in Oklahoma City. They'll start February the 3rd at 11 a.m. That'll be the first day of training races. The first set of those races, the entries will be drawn Friday, this Friday, and the changes have to be in by 9 o'clock and approved by the stewards. A very much anticipated Remington Park meet opening up with the uh, Oklahoma Paint and Appaloosa Futurity Trials, uh, also the Oklahoma Futurity and Derby Trials, and I think they've got the uh, Mighty Deck 3 written on opening weekend as well. Usually a really nice stakes race in the Mighty Deck 3. So with that, now that we've got the news out of the way, let's get right into the episode. Trials were held on January 23rd for the Los Alamitos Winter Derby Grade 1, purse of $203,000. At a distance of 400 yards, the finals will be February 13th out at Los Alamitos. Now let's look at how the trials shaped out. Beginning with the first trial, we had one qualifier from the first trial, and that was number 7, AP Special Takeoff, the third fastest qualifier. That's a gelding by Favorite Cartel. Out of the Mr. Jess Perry Mare Jet Takeoff, 20.118 the time, owned by Abigail Kawanakoa and Aiden Paredes, John Cooper the trainer, and Juan Pablo Leon had the qualifying ride. AP Special Takeoff wanted a length and a half and powered home for the win over number one, Eastern Shore. Of course, it did not qualify as well as the third place finisher, number four, Don't Ride the Slide. But AP Special Takeoff, the most impressive trial winner from Saturday night. Trial 2 produced three qualifiers, including the second fastest qualifier, Monopolist, a gelding by favorite cartel out of the Foos Mare, Nymph, 20.041 the time, owned by Ed Allred, James Glenn Jr. Trains, the jockey Oscar Andrade Jr. Monopolist, a one-length victory. He was off slow, but surged clear over second-place finisher, and ninth fastest qualifier, number three, Candy Blood. It was a gelding by Apolitical Blood out of the Wave Carver Mare, Ranch Candy, 20.218 the time. Owned and bred in Oklahoma by Rick Sumner, Monte Arosa the trainer, and Raul Valenzuela, the qualifying rider. Candy Blood had a great break. Thought was going to run away with the race there at first, but then Monopolis came flying past him, but he was pretty much hand-roading the final eighth of a mile to save him for the finals here. Very excited to see what Candy Blood can do here in a couple of weeks. Third was the five, Doc Lamb, the eventual 10th fastest qualifier. Doc Lamb is a gelding by Trace Ace out of the PYC Painter Wagon Mare, third painted sign, 20.220 the time, owned by Howard Nichols, Jaime Gomez the trainer, and the jockey Oscar Pinedo. Doc Lamb was off slow, drifted a bit, and it was just out nose for second. Tight photo between him and Candy Blood on the line there in trial two over the slop at Los Alamitos. But trial two with three qualifiers, Monopolis, Candy Blood, and Doc Lamb. Trial three did not post any qualifiers. The winner was Terrific Temper. Great horse, just didn't make the time for the Derby here, but Trial 4 also posted three qualifiers, including the fastest qualifier, Flashback. He's a gelding by Moon and the Eagle. Out of the check him out mare, check him back. 
026 the time, Dutch Masters the owners, Jaime Gomez trains, and Oscar Pinedo the qualifying ride. Flashback won it by three quarters of a length. He was away a little bit slow, but had a strong finish to set the fastest mark of the night for the Winter Derby Trials. One at three quarters over number three. Two strikes surprise, the fourth fastest qualifier. Another gelding here by Favorite Cartel out of the walkthrough Fire Mare. We own the night. 20.118 the time. Owned by Legacy Ranch Incorporated, Terry Knight, the trainer. Eduardo Nicasio had the qualifying ride aboard two strikes surprise. Had a late kick and was up for second in that trial four. Third in trial four was the seventh fastest qualifier, Coronado Kiss. A gelding by Coronado Cartel. Out of the making moves, Mare, 16 kisses. 20.188 the time. Eddie and Andrea Jensen, the owners, Monte Rosa trains, and then Jose Nicasio had the qualifying ride. Coronado Kiss broke well and lugged out throughout the race, but did manage to qualify, and that's all that matters in these time trials. And the fifth trial, final trial for the Winter Derby, produced three qualifiers as well, including number four, C.M. Dillingham Advice, the fifth fastest qualifier. He's a gelding by best advice out of the Dash to Fame mare, C.M. Mo Baby. 20.144 the time, Chris Sutton, the owner, Monte Arosa trains, and the jockey Armando Cervantes on C.M. Dillingham Advice. He lugged out throughout the race and won by a neck. Over number one, Gentleman Chuck, who ended up the sixth fastest time. He's a gelding by favorite cartel out of the Foose Mare Nymph, making him a full brother to second fastest qualifier, Monopolist. Gentleman Chuck covered the 400 yards in 20.176 seconds. Owned and bred in California by Ed Allred, Scott Willoughby the trainer, Oscar Andrade Jr. with the qualifying ride. Gentleman Chuck gained steadily and was just up for second. Beating a neck by C.M. Dillingham Advice. And running third in trial five was number three, Leah Carroll, the eighth fastest qualifier. A filly, the lone filly, in fact, in this race by He's Relentless. Out of the ocean runaway mare, Viva La Blue. 20.190 the time, owned and trained by Paul Jones. Victor Salazar with the qualifying ride. Leah Carroll drifted, was just outran in trial five by a nice horse in C.M. Dillingham advice. So there's your qualifiers for the Los Alamitos Winter Derby. Again, the finals will be held February 13th out of Los Alamitos. Making his third appearance on the podcast, a multiple graded stakes winning trainer with three qualifiers to the Los Alamitos Winter Derby here in a couple of weeks and one qualifier to the championship coming up. Ladies and gentlemen, Monty Arosa. Well, first of all, congratulations on all your qualifiers this last weekend. Let's start off with uh, C.M. Dillingham Advice, the Wild West Futurity winner last year. What can you tell me about him? Well, thank you. Um, you know, Dillingham Advice had run uh, in the Northwest up in Oregon. Uh, Chris Sutton and Nick Lowe had run him up there, and he'd run well, and they shipped him down to me for the Wild West. Uh, he was a little green. He's 
trial race for the Wild West and then came back and won the finals. And then I decided just to give him just a little bit of a break um, between the Wild West and the Winter Derby. And so we, we worked him one time, 350, and he, he put in an outstanding uh, a work. You know, the work was real good. And, uh, you know, the horse was going into the trials real well, real well. And he ran a nice trial race. Um, he lugged out a little bit. The track was... Uh, um, it was on and off track. We had quite a bit of rain that night, and, um, but he, he ran a nice race. Since he's so lightly raced, do you think that'll work to his advantage come finals time? I hope so. The um, you know the the horse is he's a he's a real smart horse, and um, I think he's still figuring it all out. I don't think he's completely uh, got the game you know completely figured out yet. So I do think he's still a little bit green, and I think he's just been improving every start. So hopefully he'll continue to improve. How about Coronado Kiss? What does he need to do to improve from the trials to the finals? You know, I'm really proud of Coronado Kiss. He's a horse that uh, we had in the Northwest and, and ran up there um, for some long time. Great clients, Eddie and Andrea Jensen. He's been the model of consistency. I mean, he has run first, second, or third in every out, every start except his first. His first out, he ran sixth. But he's a hard knocker, and he seems to step it up. I did something that was a little different in the, the trials. I had run the horse. Early on, he was a little nervous at the gate, and so we'd taken the blinkers off of him, and we ran him his whole entire career without blinkers. I noticed the last time we ran him, he was kind of getting out there wanting to wait for other horses, and so we put a small set of blinkers with a little cutback cut on him and so that was his first go in the trials i usually don't like to change something that's working but i thought well let's give it a try and he responded well and um you know he likes to run he likes to hook up and go with something and so hopefully he'll hook up with flashback or um you know one of the others in there and uh, can go down through there he's um you know he's been one of those that's been knocking at the door so Candy Blood was a stakes winner his first time out for you. What has it been like to work with him? You know, I watched Candy Blood um, his whole entire career at uh, Remington and then at Rio Dosa, and I was thrilled when uh, Rick Sumner contacted me and asked if I would take him out to La Salle. He's been a pleasure. We've just worked to really slow the horse down, just to try to build some confidence with him at the gate, build some confidence with him in the paddock and the post parade. And, um, you know, he, he showed early on that he was fast. His first race here at La Salle, his first time um, under the lights here, was, you know, very impressive in the holiday handicap. Um, I like the trial race that he ran. He he broke super, and you know Raul Valenzuela did a great job riding him. He I told him that you know with the track being as off, if you know just to try to save the horse as much as we could for the finals, and which is always risky. You hope that you qualify, but um, I, I, he's a he's a very nice horse. I'm very blessed to have him. Now your championship horse was paying me in front. He ended up with the third fastest time. What can you tell me about him? You know, came in front a new horse that um, they some new clients bought him and sent him to me uh, after the the Los Alamitos Super Derby and he's a real nervous horse. It took us some time to get to figure him out. Uh, we kind of changed up the way we trained him. We we just ponied him, you know, a lot. Just took him and ponied him and ponied him and you know just tried to get him quiet. He's a he's a hot horse. He's nervous. He didn't eat very good for us when we first got him, and we finally got him eaten. And um, 
I was, I mean, he definitely opened my eyes. I didn't expect, uh, you know, we had worked in 350 um, three weeks before the trials and he put in a, a decent work and, but he really opened my eyes in the trials because he ran phenomenal out of the one hole. The inside of the racetrack I didn't think was the best and uh, he ran a, a super good race out of the inside. So... Hopefully we can get him to, you know, um, get him back eating and get him back, you know, keep his mind focused and keep him dialed in. And I think he's a nice horse. In December, you saddled a political patty to victory in the Los Al 2 million. What was that moment like? <laughs> that was like a dream come true. I mean, it was a dream come true. I just, I'm usually never at a loss for words, but it's, that was a very special night. She is uh, an Idaho bred for a longtime client, Jim Walker, who um, has passed away. And now his grandson and wife have carried on with, you know, Jim's program and to win it for those people and win it with that filly and to win that race. I mean, it's just, it was truly a gift from God because I, you know, like I say, it's it's tough to describe. Can you tell us what she's pointed to next? You know, she was just recently sold. Oh, okay. Uh, Juliana, Juliana Hanholt just purchased her um, a couple of weeks ago, and um, she's left her with me. And we're going to run her um, in the, the Los Alamitos Oaks. And then we're possibly looking at some things in Rio Dosa and then back to Los Alamitos for the Super Derby. Your All-American Derby winner last year, Goldheart Eagle V, is set to stand his first year at Stud this year. What traits of his do you hope to see passed on to his offspring? You know, the best thing about Goldheart Eagle V was his mind. Um, and I, I hope that he passes on his mind and his big heart onto his babies and, and obviously his looks. He's a grand-looking horse. He's gorgeous. And um, I'm really excited about um, him as a, a stallion. This last weekend, I I went to Idaho for the, the Bitterroot Stallion auction, and um, he was um, tied for the top seller of the auction and really appreciate Ryan Robichaux and um, the Simmonses for donating the horse to the auction there. But um, I, I he, he was a neat horse. He's Like I say, he's got a phenomenal mind. Do you have any two-year-olds that have caught your attention already that you're looking forward to running this year? Well, we have a lot of two-year-olds that we're going with, and I try not to get too excited about them at this point in the year because they break your hearts all the time. You Definitely. Know? So I, I don't get very high, and I, I really stress to you know my crew and my assistants that you know we just we don't get real high on them at this time of the year because. You know, one day I have a favorite, and the next day I have another favorite, and the next day I have another favorite. And so, um, you know, we have some nice babies. Our clients went out and purchased some really nice colts and have raised some really nice colts. And so I'm, I'm excited for the season. But, um, you know, like I tell everybody right now, they're all undefeated. And so it um, – you know, it's it, hopefully, you know, it's going to be a, a good year for us. January 24th, the Los Alamitos trials were held for the Brad McKenzie Los Alamitos Winter Championship. Another grade one event. The finals are February 14th, purse of $157,000. Four-year-olds end up traveling a distance of 400 yards. Three trials were held Sunday night. 
And from trial one, we had two qualifiers, including seventh fastest qualifier, Jess Macho Corona. He's a gelding by Corona Cartel. Out of the feature, Mr. Jess, Mayor Jess, send me. The five-year-old covered the 400 yards in 19.850 seconds. Turner Farm and Connie Nutt, the owners. Paul Jones trains Ramon Sanchez with the qualifying ride. A bumped start for Jess Macho Corona. He doled the win by a neck over the ninth fastest qualifier, number seven, Separatist Dash. He's by Agreed because of Separatist. Out of the Willie won a dash mare, AZ won a dash. 19.889 the time. Bianca Grandados, the owner. Felix Gonzalez, the trainer, and Henry Lopez with the qualifying ride on Separatist Dash. Third in trial one was number three, Run for Your Life. Just missed qualifying, though, to the final. From trial two, we had three qualifiers, including number three, Powerful Favorite, the fourth fastest qualifier, a five-year-old gelding by Favorite Cartel out of the Corona Cartel mare, Remember Me Rose. 19.721 the time, Rosenthal Ranch LLC, the owners, Chris O'Dell trains, and the qualifying rider, Eduardo Nicasio. Powerful favorite had a bump start, but was best in the final 16th with a late surge to defeat the fifth fastest qualifier, number seven, Dr. Gene. He's a gelding by favorite cartel out of the A Regal Choice Mare, Don't Pass Bar. 19.815 the time, owned by Ed Allred, Scott Willoughby the trainer, and the jockey Oscar Andrade Jr. Dr. Gene, best stride was late and he was a game second. In front of number five, Bo's Time Machine, who is the sixth fastest qualifier. A gelding by Bodacious Dash out of the Chicks Beduino Mare, one prompt chick. 19.826 the time. Owned by Gary and Yvonne Huvestal, Paul Jones the trainer, and Raul Valenzuela the qualifying rider. Bo's Time Machine rallied late and barely missed second, but was nosed out by Dr. Gene there in trial two, but nevertheless qualified to the championship. Now in trial three, we had five qualifiers, including the fastest qualifier, Up for Speed. It was a four-year-old gelding by favorite cartel. Out of the kitty up mare, up for it. 19.631 the time, owned by Brenda Figueroa, Roman Figueroa the trainer, and Raul Valenzuela, the qualifying rider. Up for Speed. Surged late at the end to get up to beat number four, Mr. Ricks, the second fastest qualifier, who is a four-year-old gelding as well. He's by Mr. Jess Perry, though, out of the Mr. <laughs> out of the first down dash mare, Aquafina. 19.694 the time, owned by Reliance Ranches. Mike Robbins, the trainer. Oscar Pinedo, the qualifying rider aboard Mr. Ricks. Mr. Ricks dueled and drifted late. It was no match for up for speed here in trial three. Third was number one, pay me in front. The third fastest qualifier, a gelding by FDE Dynasty out of the Foos mare back in front. 19.711 the final time. Eduardo and Adolfo Perez, the owners. Monte Arosa, the trainer. Jose Nicasio, the qualifying jockey. Pay me in front, drifted early, and was just outran by the top two finishers up for speed and Mr. Ricks. But running fourth was number six, made over, ended up with the eighth fastest time. A four-year-old gelding by favorite cartel out of the separatist mare, makeover. 19.851 the final time. Owned by Junior's Quarter Horses, Jose Flores, the trainer, and Cruz Mendez, the qualifying rider, board made over. Made over, not the best start, just like 
the fifth place finisher in this one. They kind of bumped each other there at the start. That was number five, Red Hawk Cartel, who ended up with the 10th fastest time for the championship. He's my favorite cartel. Out of the Hawkinson mare, Red Hawk Chick, 19.897 the time, owned and bred in California by Martha Wells. Matthew Fails, the trainer, and the qualifying rider, Armando Cervantes. So there are your qualifiers for the Los Alamitos Winter Championship. Again, the finals on Valentine's Day, February 14th, out in California. Support for the podcast is brought to you by Flare Strips. During intensive exercise, horses can only breathe through their nose and not their mouth. That means all oxygen needed for exercise can only pass through the nasal passages, the narrowest part of the upper airway. A significant portion of the nasal passages is supported by bone or cartilage. When breathing hard, the soft tissue overlying this unsupported region is sucked inward, reducing the nasal passages and greatly increasing resistance to air intake. Studies showed that during exercise, over 50% of resistance to air flow to the lungs comes from the nasal passages. Flare equine nasal strips make breathing easier by providing a spring-like force that gently supports the soft tissues over the nasal passages so they collapse less. Numerous studies prove that the strips improve airflow to the lungs, reduce fatigue, reduce lung bleeding, and quicken recovery. Visit flarestrips.com for more information. The 2021 Bank of America Regional Challenge schedule was released a while back. Thought I'd let you know where the challenge sites will be in 2021. Starting with the Bank of America Championship Challenge, three-year-olds and up, 440 yards. First challenge will be in Brazil. And the trial date will be March 13th out of Brazil. The finals March 27th. The total money is not... Uh, available yet on the website. The second will be the challenge at Remington Park, a grade two tag on this one. $60,000 total added. Trials of March 12th, finals March 27th. Pocatello Downs with a $40,000 purse. The trials will be June 25th with the finals July 9th. Los Alamitos with another grade two challenge for this one. $40,000 purse. The trials on June 17th. The finals August 7th. Ratama Park, $50,000 total added with the trials July 15th and the finals August the 7th in Selma, Texas. Another grade two challenge at Prairie Meadows in Iowa, $45,000 purse with the trials July 31st and the finals August 14th. Downs at Albuquerque with a $65,000 total added purse for the championship challenge. The trials will be August the 1st and the finals August 15th. Hippodromo in Mexico with a $40,000 purse attached to this one. And the trials are August 1st, the finals August the 15th. Also some challenges at Grants Pass, Canterbury Park, and Emerald Downs. Trials and finals yet to be announced on those three challenges. And the Attaquan Derby Challenge sites will be at Sundowns, Los Alamitos, Sam Houston, Hippodromo in Mexico, Pocatello Downs, Prairie Meadows, Riadosa Downs, Will Rogers Downs, Grants Pass, and Evergreen Park in Alberta. Average uh, purse on those challenges will be about $30,000. They're all either $30,000 or 
30,500, except for the one in Sam Houston. It's listed at 50,000 for the Yadaquan Derby Challenge at Sam Houston. The trials will be May the 20th with the finals June 10th. And that'll be one of the top ones. Los Alamitos will have another good one. May 2nd, the trials there. May 23rd, the finals in that one. Will Rogers Downs will have one of the last ones with the trials being September 12th, the finals October 3rd. Riodosa Downs usually has a good challenge for the Derby as well. August 7th trials and the finals August 21st. Now on the John Deere Juvenile Challenge, two-year-olds going 350 yards. Sites will be Sam Houston, Hippodromo, Los Alamitos, Prairie Meadows, Riodosa Downs, Pocatello Downs, Will Rogers Downs, Indiana Grand, Evergreen Park, and Emerald Downs. Sam Houston will have a $50,000 purse for their juvenile. The rest of them will be about $30,000, according to the chart here. Sam Houston, the trials will be May 20th, finals June 10th. Los Alamitos, July 24th, and then August 14th. Rio Doso on August 7th and August 21st. Or Rogers, of course, one of the last ones. Uh, September 12th and October 3rd. Indiana Grand, Evergreen Park, and Emerald Downs have yet to announce the trials and finals for the, their challenges in the juvenile. And we have the Distaff Challenge. Three-year-olds and up fillies and mares at 400 yards. We contested at Hippodromos, Sundowns, Los Alamitos, Prairie Meadows, Riodosa Downs, Pocatello Downs, Lone Star Park, Will Rogers Downs, Indiana Grand, and Canterbury Park. Average purse being about 25000 on the challenge races for the Distaff. One of the first ones will be in Mexico, with the trials being March 7th. And Sundowns will have an early one, too, in April. During the summer will be Los Alamitos and Prairie Meadows, along with Riodosa Downs. And later in the fall will be Lone Star Park, Will Rogers, and Pocatello. Indiana Grand and Canterbury Park still yet to have announced the dates. And, of course, the distance challenge, three-year-olds and up at 870 yards. Only four challenge races for this one. All of them graded pretty much. We got one at Remington Park, another one at the Downs at Albuquerque, then at Lone Star Park, Will Rogers Downs, and Canterbury Park. $50,000 total purse on the one at Albuquerque, $30,000 at Remington. And the rest are about twenty-five dollars to $27,000. Remington's trials will be April the 10th. The finals will be April 25th. Albuquerque will be July 31st. The finals August the 14th. Claremore, of course, near the end of October. And, of course, Canterbury hasn't announced their dates yet. Lone Star doesn't have a trial date yet on here, but they do have a final date, October the 2nd, for the distance challenge at Lone Star Park. So there's your 2021 Bank of America region ch regional challenge schedule for this year. Something I do every year before the racing season starts, about this time of year, every year I do it. I make a top 10 list of the yearlings from the yearling sales the year before that I really liked and the ones I want to keep up with throughout their career to see how they do. So I came up with my top 10 for this year, and I thought I'd let you guys know who I have on it. I didn't want to be biased, so I didn't put either of my two-year-olds on it, a poly cartel and FS cartel. So we went with this group of 10, mainly from the Riodosa sale and the Heritage sales. Uh, but we'll start it off with a horse named In Hot Pursuit, who is a $220,000 Riodosa yearling purchase by Dunn Ranch. He's a March Colt, 
by one famous eagle out of the Trey Sace mare Pandorum. This makes him a full brother to the champion three-year-old and champion three-year-old gelding a couple of years ago, Hot Stepper, an earner of $1.4 million on the track, an All-American Derby winner. Also a half-brother here to Hot Sempting by Tempting Dash, the Riadosa Derby winner and runner-up in the Rainbow Derby in 2020, an earner of $570,000 on the track. Also Caliente Caramello, who was a finalist in the All-American and Rainbow Futurities, as well as the Texas Classic Juvenile. A lot of black type all over this page, obviously, with the full brother do Hot Stepper. A nice-looking colt here. Looked very professional at the sale ring. Of course, a lot of people looked at him bringing in 220000 I haven't seen him since the sale, but I'm sure he looks just as good, if not better. And he was enrolled in the AQHA Challenge, All-American Rainbow and Rio Dosa Futurities. I have a feeling he'll be in the Triple Crown out there in Rio Dosa based on his blood. Might be saving him for something out there on the mountain. Another one I have, also from the Riadosa sale, that's Wasp, a Riadosa yearling purchase for $165,000 by Johnny Trotter. It's consigned by Robichaux Ranch at the sale of February Colt by Favorite Cartel. Out of the Mr. Jess Perry Mare, first prize honey. First prize honey, an earner of $4,900 on the track, a sister to first prize Lisa. He's had five to race and five winners, including prized wagon, an earner of $198,000. Colt by PYC Painter Wagon there, who was second in the Black Gold 350 Futurity, third in the Altoona Derby, and a finalist in the Iowa Double Gold Derby, as well as the Heritage Place Futurity, and is now a sire. Also, time for Corona, a gelding by Corona Cartel, earner of $54,000, third in the Mile High Futurity. Second dam on the page is first prize Dash, a dam of distinction. Had 34 foals and 27 winners, including first prize Lisa, 488000 on the track. First Carolina, 415000 First prize Robin, 295000 Wasp is eligible for the All-American Rainbow and Riadosa Futurities, of course, since he was at the All-American sale. And he will almost definitely be out there since Johnny Trotter ended up buying him at the sale. A nice big colt in Wasp. I'm excited to see how he does. Another one from the Riadosa sale was Hot Dynasty Z. He was purchased by Mario Rodriguez for $46,500. Another one consigned by Robichaux Ranch at the sale. A January Colt by FDD Dynasty. Out of the Trey Sace Mare, kind of spicy. Kind of spicy, ran out $10,000 on the track and was a winner at three. First foals arrived in 2019. The second dam on the page is Dash of Perry by Mr. Jess Perry. An earner of $382,000 on the track was second in the All-American Futurity. And a finalist in the Los Alamitos Million Futurities had 12 foals to race and seven winners, including Templar Knight by first down dash, an earner of 117000 Also, Sprinter by FTD Dynasty, an earner of 85000 as well. Tiny's Dash of Cash is the third dam on the page. Uh, champion producer there with Sizzling, I'm a Cutie Pie, Famous and Hot, and more. Hot Dynasty Z, another one for the All-American Rainbow and Riadosa Futurities. A nice-looking FDD Dynasty Colt here. Slash Z Quarter Horses, the breeder of this Colt. I don't know. I hadn't really heard of them before this year, but all of their horses I looked at at the Riadosa sale looked really nice. But I think Hot Dynasty Z looked the best out of all of them, and I'm a sucker for FDD Dynasties. Just to throw that in the mix as well. Nice looker there in Hot Dynasty Z. One that was repurchased at the Riadosa sale but then sold at the fall mix sale at Heritage Place was One Bodacious Eagle. 
He's a March filly by one famous eagle out of the Corona Cartel mare, Bodacious Dream. Eventually sold at the fall mix sale for $31,000 to Billy Tarango. Of course, her name's one Bodacious Eagle. She is a full sister to Bodacious Eagle, the world champion and champion age gelding and champion age horse and supreme racehorse and an earner of $1.2 million on the track, winner of the champion of champions in the Texas Classic Derby as well. Also a half-sister to Eminent by Dominion, earner of 76000 on the track, second in the Firecracker Futurity, and Tango in cash, 43000 in earnings, second in the A-Ransom Handicap. The second dam on the page, Dashing Phoebe, a champion two-year-old filly and three-year-old filly, as well as a dam of distinction. 18 foals to race and 15 winners, including Hearts Wide Open, a champion herself, as well as Special Phoebe, Fury of the Wind, Dashing for Destiny, and others. One bodacious eagle enrolled in the All-American Triple Crown, of course. A Texas bred and a very classy filly from what I could tell at the sale. Not the biggest, which is probably why she was repurchased at the Riadosa sale and then bought at the fall sale for 31000 But I thought that was a hell of a buy, especially with the breeding on this page. If she doesn't end up running, you ought to be able to sell her for a broodmare or keep her for a broodmare one, or baby should bring more than that, if I were to guess. That's one bodacious eagle. Keep an eye out for her as well another one i've got here this one from the heritage sale in september trucker speed sold at the heritage sale for twelve thousand dollars to circle t ranch he's a march colt by separatist out of the one dashing eagle mare ode to speed ode to speed was unraced her first foals arrived in 2019 the second dam on the page is significant speed a champion three-year-old filly and champion aged mare as well as a supreme racehorse earner of $515,000 on the track. Dam of 22 foals to race and 10 winners, including Jess Significant, earner of $420,000, and Significant Hard, a champion aged mare, earner of $257,000 on the track. And Oklahoma bred here in Trucker Speed, enrolled in the AQHA Challenge, All American Rainbow and Riadosa Futurities, as well as the Edberg Million, Golden State Million, and Los Alamitos 2 Million Futurities in California. Trucker Speed, a nice gray coal by Separatist. And there's not many separatists out there anymore. I think he's a bit of a sleeper stud nowadays. He is getting a little bit older. Uh, I say a little bit. He's pretty old now. But I really like this horse, Trucker Speed. I, he caught my eye in the pictures I saw him on Lazy E's website for the sale. And I went and saw him at, at the sale itself. And he, I liked him even better. Went for 12000 a nice buy there in Trucker Speed. Excited to see what he does. With Circle T Ranch as the owners, I assume he might be at Remington this spring. So we'll get to see him soon enough. Another one from the Heritage Sale was a Separatist V. He was sold for $16,500 to Mario Rodriguez. And he's another Separatist colt, fold in February of 19 out of the first down dash mare, Velvet. Velvet has had five to race and five winners, and it's not in the catalog, but just about a week, I think, after the Heritage Sale, this horse's half-brother, uh, what was his name? One more and I'm gone. V is that what was that his name? I think it was. He ended up winning the Dash for Cash Futurity just about a week after this. And if it was a week before, he would have brought more than sixteen thousand dollars. I'd like to think. But other than that horse, three six on fire V came out of this Mariner of seventy five thousand was third in the Kindergarten Futurity Velvet Wagon, a filly out of this Mariner of twenty four thousand and more. The second dam is a thoroughbred mare girl on the curl. It's produced a bunch of good horses, 21 to race, and 13 winners, including Curly Q. 
a separatist V in the All-American Triple Crown and the AQHA Challenge. And the uh, main reason I like this colt is he really stood out to me, first of all, and I like the cross separatist on the first down dash mare. One of my family's top runners was a separatist first down dash cross named Strategic Commander. So when we see those crosses, we keep an eye out for them. And I will definitely be watching a separatist V later this year. Another one from the Heritage was Miss Master Jess, sold for 17000 to Jason and Burley. Uh, was a March filly by Dash Master Jess out of the FTD Dynasty mare, Miss Kate's Dynasty, who was unplaced in two starts and a sister to Kate's Dynasty. Her first foals arrived in 2019. The second dam is Jennifer Kate. By Vital Signer of 65000 has had 18 foals to race and 10 winners, including FTD Dynasty filly Kate's Dynasty, a champion two-year-old filly, earner of 572000 as well as Texas Icon, a Colt Biker on a Cartel, 111000 in earnings on the track, as well as Texas Sixes, earner of 80000 and more. Miss Master Jess, a nice filly by Dash Master Jess, bit of a sleeper stud in that horse. and I really like this filly, though. I like to see what she does. A Texas bred here in Miss Master Jess. One of the last ones I had from that Heritage sale was Valiant's Dash, a January Colt by Tempting Dash out of the Valiant Hero Mare, BP Valiant Policy. He sold for $66,500 to Billy Tarango. BP Valiant Policy had three wins at two hundred and six thousand in earnings, including the Governor's Stakes, and was second in the Heartland Futurity up in Indiana. Our first foals arrived in 2019. The second dam on the page is CC Policy by Corona Cartel, dam of 19 foals to race and eight winners, including... Eagles Policy, earner of 55000 BP Trace Ace Policy, 71000 BP I'm the Man, 26000 and more. Southern Policy, the third dam on the page, another producing mare, 21 foals to race and 15 winners. This colt eligible for the All-American Triple Crown. And he was just a stout horse and a good-looking horse. Had a great bloodline, obviously, and just looked the part. I'm uh, really excited about Valiant's Dash this upcoming year. Just a few more. That I had to talk about, including another one from the Heritage Hit for Six, one that was bred right down the road from me here in Arkansas at Corner Cake Quarter Horses. Hit for Six sold at the Heritage for seventeen thousand to Jose Espinoza. Hit for Six, the Trace Ace Colts. He's out of Corona Cartel mare. I can't help it. Who ran out sixty-six thousand on the track. Winner of the Fair Meadows for Maturity, I should say. Third in the OQHIRE Fall Classic at Will Rogers Downs. One of the first foals out of this mare is hit for six. The second dam is Pretty Girl Kate, earner of 36000 a dam of eight foals to race and seven winners, including Hooked on a Win. A gelding by PYC Painter Wagon, an earner of 165000 won the Mr. Jet Moore Stakes last year. And Kate's Carter as well was second in the Valley Junction Futurity and an earner of 60000 on the track. Black type all up and down this Colts page. AQHA Challenge enrolled and the, AQ, and the All-American Triple Crown enrolled a nice Trace Ace Colt here. Not the biggest of uh, the yearling Colts you would have seen at the sales, which is probably why he brought 17000 I thought he'd bring a little more being a Trace Ace. Uh, maybe if he was a filly, he'd have brought more. Those Trace Ace fillies seem to go pretty high uh, from what I've seen. But a nice Colt here and hit for six. Another one I'm really excited about. One that you might have seen in some magazines here recently is a horse named Billions. Uh, $85,000 heritage purchase. He's by Power Jam out of the Chicks Beduino mare. Why not bar? He was purchased by Cavanaugh Quarter Horses. 
I've seen a bunch of pictures of him all over the internet and in Speed Horse and Track Magazine, him being one of the first power jams that'll hit the track. A nice big gray colt here. Why not bar the chicks? But Dwayne O'Mare ran out 136,000 on the track, had 18 to race and 13 winners, including Why Not Walk, an earner of 177,000, as well as Tequila Sangria, an earner of 163,000 on the track, and black type everywhere on this page as well. Enrolled in the All American Rainbow and Rio Dosa Faturities, as well as the Ed Burke Golden State and lost out $2 million. I spoke to Don Cavanaugh after I noticed he bought this horse at the sale, and he said, Yeah, I think. I think this horse might be one we need to take to the mountain. I'd say so too with that thoroughbred blood in him. He might really like that 440-yard distance. A cowbred here in Billions, definitely one to watch for. And I think those are all the ones I had to watch for for 2021 of the two-year-olds. Hope y'all like that. Something fun that I do every year just because I'm a nerd about the sport. But uh, keep tabs on those horses. Maybe they end up being... Graded stakes winners this year. We'll find out here eventually. Joining me now is not only the all-time leading jockey as far as money earned, but he's also a 10-time champion jockey. Please help me welcome G.R. Carter. My first question for you is who introduced you to horse racing to begin with? You know, uh, there was uh, I grew up at Pahuska which is, you know, northern Oklahoma, right mm-hmm. across the road from the fairgrounds, which there's a uh, racetrack around around the roping arena. And there was a handful of trainers that trained racehorses there in the 70s and 80s. And a guy named Gene Heron had run, run horses. His, kind of his circuit was Colorado, Raton, New Mexico. And he had... Uh, He'd been on me for a couple of years, telling me that you know I was, I was the perfect specimen that I uh, was. Of course, I was small enough to do it. I was an athlete. I'd been around. I'd rodeoed. I'd been around horses my whole life. And uh, he just said, "You, it'd be, it'd be good for you to get started whenever you know summer after eighth grade is when I finally went over and started galloping race horses. I'd have never dreamed that it took me to where it took me. So, at what age did you ride your first official race? 16. 16, wow. I, I got my, uh, I rode, uh, I got, I started riding brush track races, like, uh, almost immediately. They, at Claremore on Wednesday nights, they, they had, uh, they had brush track races at Claremore, and they would run the, uh, the turn races first, and then they had lights for, for the, uh, the quarter horse races, and, uh, it was pretty western like back then. So I kind of caught the tail end of the, you know, the Oklahoma match racing. So, right. And I, but I started riding race, official match, or unofficial match races at fourteen, and of course I got my license uh, when I was sixteen, and uh, started riding mainly for the local guys there from Pahuska, the small tracks like Eureka and Salisaw and Ada, and. Uh, but I, I stayed in high school until I graduated, and as soon as I graduated, I moved south. So blue ribbon. That's what I like to tell everybody. Is I, anybody ever asked me if I went to college? You tell them. I tell them you damn right I did. I went to blue ribbon straight to blue ribbon down. <laughs> Those are the good old days. That was one of the best tracks there was right there. Oh yeah. Now, when you first started out, were there any riders that have uh, given you some pointers that on what you could do better early in your career? 
you know, there really wasn't there, there wasn't a whole lot of ex riders around around Pawhuska. There was a guy that I I galloped for, uh, an ex jockey, a guy named Jerry Daly, and he uh, he had rode a lot of horses for Gene Heron, and he was the one that really, you know, taught me the the absolute basics of how to cross your reins and pulling down a horse's neck. And, you know, I, I knew, I knew a lot about a horse. I'd rodeoed and been around horses my whole life ranch, but I, but I didn't know anything about racing. And I got, I got a lot of schooling real fast there at an early age. Now, earlier in your career, you rode thoroughbreds and the quarter horses. What made you decide to stick to quarter horses primarily? That's, that's a good question. <laughs> I rode at Salisaw, and it was a mixed meat back then. And right. I rode, I rode a lot of, you know, a lot of people don't realize that I won almost 350 thoroughbred races. And and I, and I, I had success with both. But by the time I was 20 years old, I was already having to watch my weights pack 120. And then in, uh, whenever I... Whenever I needed to leave Salisaw to go somewhere else to better myself was the end of 1990 when I was up, I'd made up my mind that I was going to go out to Los Alamitos. And the reason why I decided to, I was at a crossroads of where I needed to decide whether I was going to be a thoroughbred jock or a quarter horse jock. If I was going to ride thoroughbreds, you know, I was one, I, I'd want to go to the East Coast, West Coast, or maybe even Kentucky. But to really to go ride thoroughbreds, I would need to pack 116, and I was already having to watch my weight 120, and I didn't ever dream that I could have specialized in quarter horses and did what I did, but uh, I feel real fortunate that that I was able to ride for 35 years and get away from it healthy as healthy as healthy as I feel like I am. Being a jockey, you obviously suffered several injuries throughout your career. What were some of the worst ones you had to battle through? You know, I, I had it. I had it. I was obviously had a background in gymnastics, and uh, that really helped me to know how how to how to hit the ground to avoid injuries. And I and I, you know, I, I had the basic jockey injuries: broke my collarbone a couple of times, chipped a little piece off my wrist one time. Of course, my my wore my knees out riding thirty thousand races a little bit, but uh, you know, overall, there's nobody that rode as many races as I did that got hurt less. You know, I I was a pretty fortunate guy. Right. I want to ask you about some of the horses you rode, starting with uh, Valiant Hero, now standing out at Lazy E. What was that horse like to work with, and what was his personality like? That horse is the utmost class and. And just everything about the way he, he that horse trained, and everything he, he he just he just showed that he was first class. Really good attitude, good, good mind. Was really quick away from the gate, and uh, the, a couple big races he won were the Texas Classic Maturity, in and 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 the uh, and then the Heritage Derby, which would have been 06 and 07. Right. Now, how about another sire, FTD Dynasty? What did you like about him the most? FTD Dynasty was, uh, was he was a really big, pretty horse with a big heart. 
he had a little he had some Toltec breeding in him and uh seemed like that Toltec Beduino or Toltec breeding you know makes makes them a little hot and FDD Dynasty he had some fire to him you know he he wasn't no 4-H pony right. and, uh, and he was a really really good horse that uh I had a lot of fun riding and was real fortunate to get to ride him what were some of your favorite races on him he won the uh he won the big races I won on him was the uh, the Edward Futurity. Right, at LaSalle, yeah. At LaSalle Midas, and then I won the uh, Governor's Cup Derby on him. Okay, okay. As a three-year-old. So he, did, he just ran through his three-year-old years all he ran. Right. Another yeah. champion was uh, Flash and Roll for a mare to win 10 races and bank over a million. That's special. And what traits of hers did you like the best? That, that mare was... She was she was just bomb proof in the gate. I mean, she'd just stand there and look down the racetrack and just stare them to open. And uh, she had a she showed a real strong affinity for uh, for Los Alamitas. Uh, she ran good at Riadosa. She made uh, she had the fastest time to the Riadosa maturity. I think as a three year old, I think she made the uh, the All American Derby. But at Los Alamitas was where she just really shined. Something about out there, she just boil away from the gate and just put them away early and just cruise on in. What a great mare. Yeah, she was. Of course, I have to ask you about your All-American winner, starting with your first one, Falling in Love Again. Can you describe the feeling you had when you crossed the wire on her in front? Well, whenever you win the All-American for the first time, it... it you get the feeling of fulfillment and satisfaction that you, that if you never rode another race after that moment, that you accomplished what you set out to accomplish. You know, it gives you, it gives you a complete feeling of fulfillment that man, I, I made it to the top. I won the all American and that's what, that's all you dream about up until that time. And then, you know, it, it, and then if you want to keep going on, which most people do, you just win it once, just wets wets your wets your appetite. You want to win it again. Oh yeah, as Stoley's winner, he's still one of the second richest quarter horses of all time. And you rode him several times. What'd you like about him? He was a really big, rapid, strong horse that uh, was just really powerful down the racetrack, and uh, he. Uh, I won the All-American on him, and then I won the uh, Texas Classic Derby. And I think he won uh, the Texas Challenge Championship. It was the kind of it was the probably the three Grade One races that I can remember winning on him. But he uh, he was, you know, it, it, any horse that makes two point two million, you know, they're 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 pretty special. Yeah, that's <laughs> he, for uh, sure. He ranks he ranks right there at the top. It was, fastest horse I ever rode. Now, what was different about winning the All-American with him compared to the first time? Did you try to soak it all in more the second time around? Without a doubt. You know, the first time I won it, it was just, you know, it was even, it was even emotional the first time I won it. You know, it was just like it just, it was the fulfillment of what you had set out to do. And it, and you got that feeling. And the second time when I won it on Stowey's Winter, I really felt like he was the winner going into the race. And I told myself to enjoy the moment if I did, 
and soak it all in and just really enjoy the moment. And that's that's what I did. Besides the ones we just talked about, who were some of your other favorite horses to ride? You know, so, you know, you go back to the early part of my career. The, you know, uh, the the first Grade One race I ever won was the uh, the Heritage Futurity in nineteen eighty eight when I was twenty years old, and it was on a mare named Barb's Bounce. She was uh, she was a really good mare that ended up having some success out in California. I rode her. Uh, when she was a four-year-old in the champion of champions is my first mount and in the champion of champions. And, uh, you know, she comes to mind and then there was another, another mare wrote that was, was a champion in the early nineties. Her name was down with debt. And, uh, of course, be a bono was, you know, just a, an unbelievable horse that when, a lot of grade one races and he, he currently is at the, uh, he's the quarter horse representative at the Kentucky horse park in uh, Lexington. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, that's he, pretty cool. They had, a, they had a horse named Sergeant Pepper feature that was the quarter horse representative in the champions barn there for years. And, uh, he passed away and, uh, they sent Taylor fit back there, I think for a short period of time, but I don't know what happened there, but, Bia Bono's been there for like the last last seven, six, seven years. Wow. And you mentioned your gymnastics background earlier. I got to ask, when did the backflip start and what made you decide you wanted to do that off a horse? <laughs> it kind of it came about as there. I was a gymnast and I'd do it off my rope horse, you know, junior rodeo and stuff, showing off as a kid. And I won the 1988 Shabester Fraternity on a mare named Navy Blues. And the guy, the groom that was leading on, you know, and it was a nail-biter photo finish. One of those ones where you circle out there for 10 minutes before they blow the photo up, where they can microscopically tell who who beat the other horse. It was literally that close. Or circling for it. And this groom has seen me do a backflip off of a saddle horse, a, a, a rope horse a time or two. And uh, he started in on me. His, his name was Leon Taylor. And Leon tells me, you're going to do a backflip off his mare if we, win, if we win this photo. And I tell him, I said, I'm not doing a backflip off a racehorse. She'll, <laughs> she'll spook, she'll kick me. He says, no, you're, you're doing it, by golly. You're, you're doing it. If we win this photo, you're doing it off. I said, I'll. I'll hold her head. I won't let her kick you. I'll cover her eye up, and uh, you're doing it. And I, and he says, "Aren't you?" And I finally said, "Okay, whatever." You know, I really wasn't sure I won the race, and I no more said, "Okay." They hung my number up there. I won the race. So since he dared me, I kind of had to do it, and we, I just did it out on the racetrack into the dirt. And uh, I would have never believed where that, how big of a thing that would become. You know. It, <laughs> I just remember kids, you know, whenever I'd win a stakes race, be heading to the winner's circle to watch, they'd be hanging on the fence. And then every once in a while, if I won something when I got older, when I, you know, some of the minor stakes and all, I wouldn't do it because I was getting old enough where I was afraid I was going to kill myself. And uh, <laughs> I could just hear those kids, oh, he didn't do the backflip. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it just almost made me want to get back on and do it for him. Yeah. Now, uh, what were some of your favorite tracks to ride at during your career? Well, you know, the ones that I that I 
had the most success at were the ones that, you know, really, you know, Remington, Riadosa, Los Alamitas, Lone Star. But, you know, the, you know, I really consider myself, you know, a Blue Ribbon Downs guy. I mean, I came, I was, I did my, I did my good at Blue Ribbon in the late eighties. And that was, then that was the heyday of Blue Ribbon Downs. That was where, amazing how many races they ran and how many horses ran there and, right. uh, but those those tracks were you know kind of the ones that's pretty dear to my heart remington Riados, los sal lone star blue ribbon downs now what have you been up to since retirement you had any horses yourself oh yeah i got a few I, i've got a handful of brood mares i've got four race bred mares and uh and then a used horse bred mare and uh We've been raising a few, sell a few, run a few, and uh, it, it keeps me involved. You know, uh, Clint's got a couple. Clint Crawford's got a couple horses for me. Uh, Mike Joyner's got a couple. And uh, I actually own a thoroughbred with my good friend Casey Lambert. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. You got any two-year-olds you're excited about for this year? Yeah, we got a Corona Cartel filly that's in the, uh, the Oklahoma fraternity and the Heritage fraternity. We bought her out of the All American sale. Her name is uh, something Corona Miss Corona Z or something like that. I can't remember her name exactly. But we bought her out of the All American sale, and uh, Joiner seems to really be liking her. She seems to be really quick away from the gate. And uh, then I've got a filly that I raised that Clint Crawford's got. She's a uh, mighty be valiant, and uh, her name is. Uh, be valiant, girl. Can't thank you enough for listening to the show this week. Next week, we'll have the Remington training races to talk about. We'll recap those next week and have some other guests on the show. Thanks to GR Carter and Monty Arosa for joining me this week. Those guys are a lot of fun to talk to. And uh, before I go, make sure you go get some 21 Seconds merch if you enjoy the podcast. You can get that by clicking the link in my profiles on Instagram or Facebook. Or go to stores.inksoft.com slash 21 seconds slash shop slash home to get your 21 Seconds merch. That's all I got for you this week. I'll talk to you next week on the 21 Seconds Podcast.